BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, it's Brooke and Ian with part three of this five-part story. If y'all haven't listened to parts one and two yet, go on and do that now. We will be here when you get back. The entire series is available right now on Patreon, ad-free. So if you can't wait to hear what happens next, join us now. Speaking of Patreon, before we go any further, we want to thank some of our new patrons. And bear with us, folks. There are a lot of people to thank. Michelle Gruba, Stephanie Woods, Christina Peterson, Guillermo, Charissa Garrigus, Chelsea Hall, Finley, Katarina Maveska, Jamie Jameson, Christy Pruitt, Chelsea Burford, Christy, lover of great tales, Chills, Maggie Calkins, Ta, Astrid, Julia Duffy Domrose, Amy Presnell, Set, Sandra Hapner, Amy Martz, Jason Kolobong, Heather, Lisa Katarina, Scaredy Cat, Lindsay, Tiffany Martin, Carol Gutierrez, Sarah Van Dorn, Sapna Shell, James Welsh, Luke Vondero, Emily Wu, Sierra Froon, and Nora Langham. Wow. <laughs> Ian, do you want to take over? That's a lot of names. Thank you so much. So many names. <laughs> we are so excited you're we, all here. We are so excited. Our patrons get a lot more 13. Extra stories every month, including over two years worth of past bonus episodes, updates on the show, merch, and access to a Patreon-only Discord server where you can chat with us about the show or whatever else is on your mind. And if you're just joining us for the uh, November series here, jump into the Discord. It's a lot of fun. You're going to really meet some cool people. Join us there. Come talk to us. Patrons never have to listen to ads, and they get early access to special series like this one. And sometimes we just kind of drop episodes early if they're done. So... Sometimes there's early access. We can't promise it all the time. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash 13, and we'll put a link for that in the show notes. This month's series is called The Mist in the Trees, written by me, Ian Epperson, and it includes voices from some of your favorite 13 actors. That's Emma Shujarko, 13 alum, as mom, me as the dad voice, Brooks narrating, Dustin Parsons as Donovan, Nate DeFort was the lawyer in the last episode, and Shelby Scott is Erica in this coming episode. All right. Are you guys ready? Turn down the lights. Here we go. When I woke up the next morning, It took a moment to get my bearings. There was a gray, diffused light coming in the window, and I could hear rain. It was Wednesday, 
the day before Thanksgiving. I looked at my phone. Messages from friends in Chicago. A couple of messages from old friends here in town. It was after 10 in the morning. I'd slept like a rock. Checkout time was 11, and I needed to get my things together and get out. I forced myself to get up. It felt so silly in the light of day, spending money on a hotel room because I was a little spooked, because I was afraid of being there in the dark. Driving back to mom's house, I didn't feel any trepidation at all. I swung the front door open and dropped my bag on the couch in the living room. The day before Thanksgiving. In the kitchen, I could see that Mom had started assembling the beginnings of a Thanksgiving dinner. Not everything. You can't get the perishables too early. But there was the skeleton of a plan. A bag of potatoes, cranberry sauce, and boxes of stuffing mix in the pantry. Casserole dishes out of the cabinets in anticipation. Apple cider in the fridge. She'd been looking forward to this. It was my brother, letting me know he was on his way. It was 11.30, and he'd be here around 1 p.m. I looked around the kitchen. Something about letting all of that planning go to waste didn't sit right with me. I wrote back, Do you want to meet at the grocery? I didn't tell him why I wanted to meet at the grocery store. He thought I just wanted to pick up food for us while we were going through the house. And that wasn't entirely untrue. But when it became clear that I was trying to throw together a Thanksgiving dinner, he was skeptical. Holly, have you ever actually made mashed potatoes? Or cooked a turkey? It doesn't matter, because they're out of turkeys. But we have this. A rotisserie chicken. Would you rather I cooked a whole chicken? Oh, my God, no. The the rotisserie chicken is fine. It doesn't have to be a big deal, you know? I was just looking around the kitchen, and I could see that she had already started getting ready. It feels like, you know, maybe in a little way we can still have our last Thanksgiving with her. Saying it out loud, our last Thanksgiving with her, I felt a dropping sensation in my chest. There's no pressure. It's just us, and we're not trying to impress anyone. Here. If we completely fuck it up, we'll just do frozen pizza and wine. Come on! It'll be fun! And if it's not, we'll just give up. He looked a little more relaxed. I think realizing that it wasn't going to be a big, awkward production made him feel better. I think he could also tell that he wasn't going to win this. Okay, we've got chicken, potatoes, and cranberry sauce at home, and we need a vegetable. Oh my god, who are you texting? Can we just get through this, please? Sorry, I'm talking to a girl. Well, she can wait until we're done shopping. So, I've been thinking, maybe we should think about starting our own traditions. I've never been to your apartment, and you've never even seen my place in Chicago. I mean, you're welcome to come and 
see my place if you want to. No, that, that's not what I mean. I mean, what if we, like, took turns hosting stuff like this? Yeah, yeah, we should do that. I don't know what I expected when I brought it up, but it was the kind of response that we always give each other. Yeah, we'll catch up sometime. Yeah, I'll come visit. But we never did. We just weren't that close. But we were fine. It had always just been fine. You know, Mom's always just kind of been what kept us coming back, and... And if we don't make an effort, we'll just float away, you know? It was coming on too strong now. I wasn't going to be able to stop. Why did it have to be here? And, and what if this is the last time that we have somewhere to go? What if this is it? What if, what if nowhere ever really feels like home again? I never got to make things better. I'm not ready to be alone yet. I'm not ready to be alone. Hey, hey. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. After my grocery store breakdown, we came back to the house in our separate cars. As we passed the edge of town... I caught myself glancing over at Ecton Park, the one where, all those years ago, my dad and I went out to solve the mystery of the Little League loudspeakers. It was a rainy day, and it was getting colder as the day went on. Thinking back to that summer, it was like another world and another time. I remember being a kid and the feeling of being bored. I never feel bored anymore. Not in the same way you do when you're a kid. Like when you're waiting for life to start and you're just passing the time. Like life is infinite. My meltdown at the grocery store had been cathartic, and I felt better than any time since I'd come home. Back at Mom's house, my brother and I got back to work, going through everything in the basement. We'd barely made a dent in it yesterday, But once we finished it, whenever that would be, the rest of the house would go by fast. That initial feeling yesterday, that everything was precious and should be handled with immense care, was gone. We were moving faster, a bit more eager to throw out things that were obviously not worth saving and that we had no connection to. But there was a warmth to it. In a way, it was like exploring your own life and seeing it all again. There was still that sinking feeling when I saw a photo I'd forgotten about or found something of my dad's mixed in with her things. But it didn't feel like despair. It was an appreciation for a time that can never come back. I knew this wasn't the end of my morning. It was just the beginning. There will be more meltdowns. A thousand little moments when I remember that she's gone. I've done this before. To a certain extent, I know how it will go. All of those moments will come, and they'll go. And at some point, they become normal. And I'll feel normal again, too. But normal will just mean something a little bit different than it did before. 
It was Erica, my friend from high school. She was checking back in, seeing if I'd made my mind up about coming out tonight. I told her I had and that I'd see her there. We made a lot of progress on the basement that day, and when we finished, Donovan was glued to his phone like he'd been at the grocery store. Erica and I planned to meet there at 9, and she was going to text me when she was on her way. My brother and his friends were going earlier, and while I wanted to see Erica, I didn't want to hang out with people I didn't know until she got there. He left as the sun was going down and the house was getting dark. I watched the taillights of his car make their way down the big hill toward the road, and I felt a sense of dread come over me. But this time, I decided I wasn't going to let that feeling take over. But it wasn't easy. I made some dinner, and then I took a shower and started getting ready. I hadn't really packed any clothes for going out, but I made something work. When I finished, I went into the living room. It was 8.30. I checked my phone. Nothing from Erica. I paced around for a little bit. The air inside the house was getting chilly as the temperature plummeted outside. I found the thermostat and turned on the heat. I was really feeling the quiet of the place. It was almost too much. Donovan had said he wasn't planning on going back to Lexington tonight. And as silly as it was... I was feeling relieved. I knew that I would feel fine just as long as someone else was here with me. I saw my phone screen light up. A text from Erica saying she was on her way. I grabbed my things and started out the door. I didn't come home for my 10-year reunion. But there's another kind of reunion that happens every year in small towns across the Midwest. After high school, people spread out. They go to college, they move to the city for work. You've never thought to imagine your town without all of the people you know. Before you even realize it's happening, the first era of your life is over. The people who stay take over family businesses or They just never saw any reason to go. But the night before the holidays, all of those people who spread out across the country, they come home. They make plans for the night before, and everyone ends up at the town bar. Small towns with one high school and one middle school are unique. Everyone knows everyone, and you've known everyone for a long time. There's a certain connection and camaraderie you feel for the people you grew up with. You didn't get to choose them, but they're the people you went through awkward phases with, the subjects of your first physical attractions, the people who saw you at your worst and at your finest. And for better or for worse, they all played a role in the person you became. When people come home those first couple of years, All of the old politics are still there. Everyone is still more or less the same person they used to be. But time also has a way of smoothing over old troubles. People change and mature. So do you. And as people settle into their new lives, 
as they begin traditions of their own, the group begins to shrink. And somewhere along the way, you find yourself no longer in touch with the people who meant the world to you back then, but you're more in line with others. It's been a long time since I went out the night before Thanksgiving. In recent years, I've usually just arrived after a long drive or a flight. I didn't feel like going out. Besides, now we're able to keep in touch in ways that previous generations were never able to. We can watch from afar, from our phones, as this little reunion plays out day by day. You can't help but root for them, to feel pride and joy and, yes, sometimes a little schadenfreude. But at the end of the day, these people are a part of who you are. So we root for each other. And, in my case, we mourn for each other, too. The bar was called Shelley's. It's the kind of place that's a restaurant during the day, and then they close up the kitchen and serve drinks until closing. It's at the far end of an old shopping center. Years ago, there'd been a Kmart, a radio shack, and a video rental place. Now, the old Kmart was a call center, and most of the other spaces were empty. Erica spotted me from the door. Holly! Holly! I made my way over, and she stood up to greet me. Hey! Mm, I am so sorry about your mom. I smiled and thanked her. We made our way to the bar to get drinks. I looked around the room. The people in the bar were younger than I expected. It shouldn't surprise me. My peers and I were aging out of this tradition. I saw a few people I recognized around the room. And then there was my brother and his friends across the bar. He spotted me and raised a bottle as a greeting. He was already tipsy. It looked like I'd be driving us both home tonight. Erica and I found a table. She'd stayed in town after high school. She'd been married, and now they were separated. The terms of the divorce were still being ironed out. I knew all of this from social media, and she knew that I knew. But it felt good to talk about it. I told her I was sorry to hear that it hadn't worked out. Thank God we didn't have kids. That's all I can say. We talked a little while longer, and neither of us brought up Mom. I saw a couple of other familiar faces come in the front door. Erica waved and they waved back. I remembered that they were a couple of years behind us in school. I watched as they got drinks and then went over to my brother's table. One of them settled in next to Donovan. I could already see the tension there. They were trying to play it cool around their friends. But everyone knew what was happening. Even me, all the way across the room. So that's who he's been talking to. I was trying to remember her name. And as if reading my mind, Erica spoke up. That's Kara Clemens with your brother, and the other one is Jenna Mills. Do you remember them? Oh my god, that's Calamity Clemens? The one and only. Kara Clemens had an inner ear problem, and she often lost her balance. The nickname Calamity Clemens didn't actually come from her fellow classmates, 
A couple of teachers were overheard using it, and then it took off among the other kids. God, I know she hated it back then. What a badass nickname. Completely wasted on her back then. She should bring it back. It is never too late to reinvent yourself. So, how's Chicago? What's going on with you? Things are fine. Nothing too exciting. I don't know. I'm just kind of stuck. I mean, I love my friends and I love the city, but I'm just in a rut and I don't know how to get out of it. And then, you know, all of this happens. I'm so sorry. It doesn't feel real yet. Do you want to talk about it? No. Thank you, but no. I really just want to be distracted for a while, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. We sipped our drinks in silence and looked around the bar. It was filling with younger people as the night went on. The parents they were coming home to visit have gone to bed. It was strange to be here, on this night, and not recognize most of the people. Places move on without you. We talked for a while longer, while the rest of the bar ebbed and flowed around us. But by midnight, we were both getting tired. I looked around for my brother, but I couldn't find him. The group he'd been with was still there. Minus him and Calamity. It was so good to see you, and I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you so much. We walked outside, and to our surprise, the rain had stopped. And in the time we'd been inside, it had turned to snow. Big, fluffy flakes falling all around us, sticking to the grass. You sure you're okay going home by yourself? I already knew what had happened with Donovan. His car was still in the parking lot. He must have ridden with her. I wanted to tell Erica that I wasn't ready to go home by myself, to see if she wanted to stay on the couch, but I wasn't going to embarrass myself like that. I told her I'd be fine. As she walked away, she stopped. Hey, remember when your mom used to tell us not to answer if someone said our name from the trees? That was my grandmother, wasn't it? No, I never met your grandmother, remember? I must have made a face. I must have let what I was feeling show. Because she immediately started apologizing. I told her it was fine. Everything was fine. I think that Erica thought I was overcome with sadness at the memory. But I wasn't. It was shock and fear. I tried to figure out how she could have heard that from my grandmother. But Erica was right. We didn't know each other before my grandmother passed. Mom had always disregarded my grandmother's stories. Had I just tuned her out? Or did something happen after my grandmother died that made my mom reconsider? Had mom seen something in the house? I could tell that Erica felt awful, and I hated that. I insisted everything was fine, she didn't do anything wrong, and we did one more round of goodbyes. Hey, I'll see you Saturday, at the service. 
I pretended to go to my car, but as soon as Erica pulled away, I went back inside. Donovan's friends were still sitting where they'd been all night. I approached the group and I asked if they'd seen him. They told me he left with Calamity about an hour before. The way they said it, I did not get the impression that he was going to be coming back. Typical. I sent him a text anyway, hoping that he was, in fact, planning on coming back. A few minutes passed and there was no response. I didn't want to be alone in that house tonight. I sent my brother another text. Maybe things didn't work out with Calamity. Maybe he'd ended up back at Mom's house after all. I took a chance and drove to the hotel by the interstate, the one where I'd stayed the night before. The snow was building up on the tops of parked cars. The same girl was working the desk, but tonight, there weren't any rooms. It was the night before a holiday, after all, and it was the only hotel in town. She apologized and asked if I wanted her to try to find a room in Lexington. I told her no. It was fine. Back in the car, I gathered myself. I repeated again and again that there's nothing to be afraid of. I pointed my headlights toward the edge of town, out into the darkness. Thanks for joining us for this episode of 13. If you don't want to wait for the rest of the series, it's available right now on Patreon. Join us at patreon.com forward slash 13 pod. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This was part three of The Mist in the Trees, written by Ian Epperson, narrated by Brooke Jeanette, Emma Shujarko was mom, Ian Epperson was dad, Dustin Parsons was Donovan, Nate DeFort was the lawyer, and Shelby Scott was Erica. Music editing and sound design by Caleb Ritchie, with assistance from Bridget Freeman. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Jackie Kay, Delta Tango, Chantel Payne, Nick, Emily Douglas, Stephanie Klinger, and Jake R. Thank you so much for your support. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about joining us on Patreon. Check us out on social media. You can find us at Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under Pod13. And you can join our Facebook group at 13 Podcast. Just look for the logo. You'll find links for all of those in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show or contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You'll find submission guidelines and other info on our website, 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes too. Bridget Freeman is calling your name from the darkness. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next month.